we have been in a series called A Weary World Rejoices through our holiday season. And, and this week we're going to wrap this series up um, as we look towards Christmas. Uh, each week that I've come in here, I, I've kind of had a little bit of a different uh, maybe definition or example of, of just what maybe some normal weariness looks like. Sometimes weariness is heavy. Sometimes it's just kind of the, the stacking on of things. Do you ever have that kind of weariness when it's like it's one thing, then it's a second, then it's another? Um, I, I, had, um, I had a Wednesday night this week. You ever just have a night where just had a night? Um, was up here, and I was actually um, giving a little bit of a hand in, uh, in some youth volunteer time with Ethan, and uh, my youngest son comes in the door, and he says, uh, hey, Dad, Mom needs you outside. Okay, now, to, before you make an assumption, um, if you are thinking, yep, his kids are probably out there fighting in the car, doing something like that, first of all, shame on you. Now, what I assumed was happening was that they were, in fact, maybe fighting in the car. I mean, I just, like, I, it's okay for me to assume that. It's just maybe not okay for you to assume that. But I walk outside, and I'm thinking, okay, what, you know, what have the kids done now? And I see Wendy kind of like this staring at the front, of the front of the van. But the van's angled away from where I'm walking up on. And I'm like, mm, this, this doesn't sound good. And uh, over on McLeansville Road, uh, the state has thoughtfully put very clear, very plain deer crossing signs out. If, you, if you're new to the area, Brown Summit, McLeansville, we have some really illiterate deer. They don't, they don't read the signs. They don't look at the pictures. It's a very happy picture of a deer jumping. Um, she, fir first three got by her, but about 20 miles an hour, the fourth one didn't make it. Um, if you want to know what happened to the deer, that's, that's not where my heart was at that moment. It's not where my mind was. Um, so we're out there, you know, we're dealing with this, and then you think about, okay, car fix, you know, we got all this stuff. So that goes on. And well, uh, right before I went outside, I had gotten an email um, that all of the candles that we have out right here never shipped. So then it's, you know, okay, now I got, you know, I got to leave here, go out, shop tonight, try to figure out where we're going to get candles. All you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's the weariness of just the, the stacking things. Then went by Chick-fil-A. Got food to take home to the kids. Get home to find out they left a sandwich out. And I'm thinking, okay, let me go out to the car and check. I mean, it's Chick-fil-A. It's Jesus chicken, right? So maybe, miraculously, it will actually be in my front seat. I go out the side door of my house. It's a, we got kind of a wooden um, porch on, the, on one side of the house. And I, I go out, and I, it's cold, so I, I shut the door behind me. But the motion detector light doesn't come on. So I, I did that kind of like, we got, you know that like little shuffle you do when like it got dark fast? I did the little shuffle. You remember the ice that was out Wednesday? Both feet, whoo, out. Now, I was in midair thinking, just to myself, I am too old to be in the air not touching another surface. I passed that age. I don't know exactly what that age was. I just knew at that moment I was past it. And it reached out, felt nothing, could see nothing. What a couple stars. Before and after. Hit the steps, hip, knee, shoulder, ribs, rolled down. I'm wheezing at the bottom. You know, I used to have soft grass with some dirt right there. Um, I added hard pavers. That's, that was the stop sign. That's what stopped me, right? So I'm, I'm coming back in the house, you know, just like trying to get that breath in. And, and you know, you're getting the, you okay? You okay? You okay? You okay? Like just, it's the finger of I can't breathe. I need a minute. And uh, 
Yes, yeah, so that was Wednesday night. That's, yeah, I, I, at the end of the night, I just I, I left. I, I left the table. I just I laid down. I, I tapped out. I did. I just laid down. When he said, are you just going to bed? Yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep. I'm breathing now, so I'm just laying down. That's what I'm doing. Just a little weary. Just a little weary. Um, and maybe maybe your days have been like that. Maybe, maybe it's been like that lately. Maybe it's just kind of stacked. Maybe it's, maybe it's some bigger things. It, 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 weariness seems to find us. But as we've been talking about in this series, um, it is our opportunity to choose to rejoice. It's our opportunity to choose to rejoice. And I want to talk to you this morning about some reasons to rejoice. Um, so if you're here, if you're at home, I'd love for you to read this scripture with us. Um, take some notes. Look through it. Now, I will tell you, we're, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, specifically in verses, I believe it's 8 through 20. So just part of the Christmas story. We were, we were out of it the first week, in it the second week, out of it the third week. Now we're back into the Christmas story. And, and for this part of the Christmas story... Um, you will find all of the three things that we've talked about in the series so far. We started with this idea of redemption. Just what does redemption really mean to us as believers? It's a great truth to understand and hold on to. Then we talked about how God is really in the details of our lives. And last week we talked about how Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and how that gives us joy in our life, but we can really use it as we grow. You'll find all three of these in this story. I wish I had time this morning to unpack exactly how you could track that through this part of the Christmas story. But I want to encourage you, if, if, if you listen to those thir- first three messages or if you get a chance, kind of take those concepts and look into this and God will show you out of his word like he, like he does to us. Hey, he, here's, here's where I, I, I prove, I say, and I show you that I am who I say that I am. So when we go through this, you, you'll, you'll no doubt hear some of these things. Um, but I want to start reading in verse 8. It says uh, this. This is really focusing in on the shepherds at this moment. The shepherds not being, uh, these are not good old hardworking guys. These are outcasts of society. Um, people don't welcome them into their homes. You would not have wanted this crew running into your baby just born scene. This is not who you would have wanted to welcome in. Uh, they weren't treated well in culture and society at this time. Um, and in verse 8, God comes in and speaks directly to them. He says, it says this verse 8, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now, um, a a few things just to kind of note when you're really understanding this, this passage here. The good news, that that phrase there translates gospel. The the good news of what God does, and and it starts in Genesis and it goes all the way through Revelation. It is Jesus all the way through. So literally these angels show up and say, hey, I'm giving you a sermon right now. I'm I'm giving you a gospel message. And it it is good news. And and who's the audience? All people. Not just the shepherds. Not just the people that that called themselves religious or the children of God. This is for everybody. The, the, the angels are kind of kicking the doors wide open on this one. But what really seems to be repeating itself through these Christmas accounts, Luke 2, Matthew, Luke 1, and first couple chapters of Matthew, do you, you remember hearing, if you've read this before, over and over again, those two words, or, or three words, I guess, technically, don't be afraid or don't fear? You, you, you hear that come up over and over again? Has life ever kind of shown you evidence that there's a reason to be afraid? Yeah. 
Yes, I mean, it has. I mean, I, I, have, I have had things happen in my life, and, and legitimately, if I looked at factual information, and especially if I looked at how I felt about something, yeah, there's a long list of reasons to be afraid. You could simply hear this statement within a context of talking to a doctor. We need to run some more tests. There's a reason to have fear there because of what could be on the other side of those. You could have somebody sit down and go, we need to talk. Fear, right? You could see something that just looks suspicious on somebody's phone or misunderstand something, and, and there's fear because we don't want our relationships to be damaged and be broken. There, there are things that present reasons to us that we very well could choose to travel the path of fear. God's message continually through this process is, don't be afraid, but he always gives a reason to not be afraid. For the shepherds, don't be afraid because, why? There was good news. There was something that, was, that sounded better and had worth to it that was above in quality and, and in emphasis above what everybody else said to them, the way that other people talked to them, the complaints that they took, the, the snide remarks that they took. There was better news about what God was doing than what they were hearing in their day-to-day. -day. And specifically, that good news is that Jesus was born. Now, he said this multiple times. For Mary, she was told, don't be afraid. Why? Because you have found favor with God. She was freaked out about what was going on in her body, but the, the message was, you have found favor with God. And in salvation, you find favor with God. So, so all these reasons, don't be afraid, because these things apply not just to the individuals that are in these chapters of the Gospels, but they apply to us as well, too. To Joseph, don't be afraid because the baby that is inside of Mary is from the Holy Spirit. He said, don't be afraid because this is not what you assume. Man, how about that message? So many times my fears come from things that I assume that are happening in me, to me, whatever that is. Don't be afraid because it's not what you're thinking. Sometimes I think just that message from the Holy Spirit just gives us a moment of peace and, and the ability to be able to rejoice. Zechariah, earlier, now this is, this is John the Baptist's father, but still included in some of these first chapters because he was the forerunner of Christ. He was told, don't be afraid because your prayer has been heard. Isn't that a good one? Even if we don't see anything radically different yet, rejoice. Don't be afraid because your prayer has been heard. And, and that, what does that drive us to? Well, who heard my prayer? A perfect and holy God that is active and can do something. Now, here's the thing about the Christian life. If we, are, if, we, if, if we choose to be people that have to see a finished, final product before we're, we allow ourselves to be okay, it, it'll, it'll be a pretty frustrating life. But if we can be someone who chooses to find hope where God gives it, he will supply plenty of it. And he'll be there with his presence with us through what is going on. But can I tell you this? That's everybody. That's every human being that breathes on this planet. So number one, as you think through this passage, please remember this. Rejoice over this. There is always a reason to not fear. There's always a reason that is worth not being afraid. Verse 11, today... 
in the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah. Some translations will have Christ right there. It, but both words mean anointed one, uh, sent by God. Who is the Messiah, the Lord? This will be a sign for you. Isn't it nice when God sends signs? This will be a sign for you. When you find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Now, there, there's, kind of a, um, there's kind of an equation that, that's happening here uh, in this message that, that the angel is giving the shepherds. Basically, her message, or I'm sorry, it's not her, it's, it's, a, it's a him. Um, his message is this. Today, on a, on a specific day in time, God has done something. And he's done it at a specific place. I think sometimes we walk through life and we think, okay, God's just kind of up there hovering. He's kind of doing some stuff, but it's probably just not a lot of it's kind of happening in my life. No, God works on specific days and specific times at specific places. So, so when you or I are struggling with the weariness of life, in the time and place that we are, we can expect God to speak. We can expect God to do something. We can expect his presence to be real at that time. Just like this angel said, today at a place there is Jesus. I'm thankful in salvation. This day is Jesus. And where is Jesus? Inside of me as a believer. Same thing for you as well. Now, we, we, we think about what, what, the, what the shepherds were going to see. Uh, if you continue reading in Luke 2, ultimately you get um, to Simeon, you get to Anna, people who absolutely rejoice over the sight of what? A baby. Now, again, I, I just mentioned a, min, uh, a minute ago, if we choose to be people that have to see a final finished product before we really choose to find joy and see what God is doing, then we won't be in the same company as those that are in Luke 2. Because they walked in, they saw a baby. A baby is a very ordinary sight. Maybe not typically laying in a manger, a trough that animals would, would, would eat out of. But a baby was a common sight. It wasn't, it wasn't just the baby that gave them hope. It was the truth that God was alive and doing something. And, and, and I want you to consider how this could help all of us rejoice. Finding gospel messages in ordinary sights motivates us toward joy because it's proof that God is working. Did you catch that? If we choose to see the gospel message that is in ordinary sights, it motivates us towards joy that God is working. This is why when you catch a glimpse of something in somebody's life, or you see some circumstances kind of play out a certain way, or you get a message from somebody, all those things, very ordinary. But when we look at them for the meaning of what Jesus has for them, all of a sudden that motivates us towards joy and moves us away and out of worry and weariness. You ever experienced that? Just something ordinary. You could be driving down the road and you can look up and you could see a sunset. And you've seen a million of them. But you see one that just shows off that God's brushwork is just amazing. And it just gives you joy. You could see somebody's face that has been really going through a tough time. And you could see a smile from them. Smile is ordinary. You see them all the time. Well, they're kind of masked right now. But, but typically you see them all the time. But that smile can, can motivate you towards joy. And, and, and those are all things that God is doing. Verse 13. Suddenly um, there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to people he favors. 
Now, this is the purpose of the message. And, and, and when the, angel, the first angel speaks, kind of the automatic response is this, this, this corporate agreement. It's, why, it, it's, it's very similar to how we can, we can all be in the same room. One person can read the word of God, and just our hearts kind of come in agreement with that. Kind of that collective amen. Because the truth of God's word is, is for those especially that know him. Now, I, I told you at, in, at the beginning of this passage, the angel said, this is for all people. So the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news about Jesus, it is for every human that walks on this earth. It's for every human that draws breath of life. It's for every human that never walks because of their physical inabilities on this planet. It's for everybody. But notice what does it say about peace? Peace from God is specifically for those people whom he favors. Now, that doesn't mean that God has a favorites list. doesn't mean it's, it's naughty or nice with him too. This, this phrase here refers to people that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. Because those people are given the Holy Spirit inside of him, God can work uniquely in a saved person in a different way than he can work in the life of someone who doesn't have his spirit in them. There is a tangible, real difference to that. And for people that are saved, if you know Jesus, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior, then the peace that this is talking about, specifically celebrated, this is unique for you. And if you notice, there's a cycle there. Glory to God in the highest. That we give Him attention, we give Him praise, we give Him credit, and then what falls down for us? Peace that only God has. Peace that only God can give. And if I want to live in this peace, now this, this is kind of a simple, logical step, but, but think this through with me. If I want to be able to live in the peace of Jesus, then I have to live in Jesus. I have to live according to his word. I have to live according to his will. That's how I'm able to receive that peace so, so easily. I, I, I copied and pasted this statement into my notes um, from a book that I had read a, a while back, and I, I had purchased it online. Um, I want you to listen to this. There is hardly a better way to sum up what God was about when he created the world or when he came to reclaim the world in Jesus Christ. His glory, our peace. His greatness, our joy. His beauty, our pleasure. The point of creation and redemption is that God is glorious and means to be known and praised for his glory by a peace-filled new humanity. God wants you to live in peace. And that peace is so pure and so good that it doesn't have to have a calm life around it. That peace can be right in the middle of some of the most difficult things that we could ever imagine. That peace could also be in the middle of some really great and joyful times. But a peace-filled humanity giving God credit for what they're experiencing is, is God's will. It, it, it really is God's will. Now, there, there are three categories of relationships that God specifically brings peace to. And, and I, would, I want you to hear these this morning. There's a few verses that I'll read with these. But when we talk about God bringing peace, so many times we think about peace coming through relationships and through things that are going on in our life with other people. So here's, here's three. The first one 
is how God allows us to have peace with him. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that's the faith that we believe in Jesus Christ, we've been justified by that, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You ever had somebody who just frustrates you in your life and just disappoints you? And, and I, I mean specifically a frustration because of disappointment. Maybe you gave them good advice. Maybe you really poured effort into them, and they just kept choosing the wrong thing. Do, have you ever felt that frustration? Just kind of nod your head. Again, remember our church family sign is, if that's the person beside you, blink real fast. Like, so just a nod or blinks. If you've experienced that ever with someone in your life, that's, that's just a grace glimpse, I, I believe, into how we can appreciate how God deals with us. That no matter how many times I choose the wrong thing, my faith is in Jesus, and, and because my faith is in Him, because of what Jesus has done, that's why I'm justified. That's why I'm okay in God's sight, because of Jesus. Jesus is the same when? Yesterday, today, forevermore. So Jesus never changes. So that means that in God's sight, I'm always acceptable. That doesn't mean he's always pleased with what I do. But I have a relationship with him because Jesus is always the same. And because he doesn't change, the way God sees me as justified doesn't change. It doesn't mean God doesn't say, Derek, we need to work on some things. Sin still happens. He still convicts me of it. I'm still supposed to repent to it, repent of it to him. I'm supposed to change that so that I'll look more like Jesus and others can see him. That ultimately why he gets glory, he gets the attention, he gets the credit. It's not just peace with God. It's also, listen to this one, peace with yourself. Peace with yourself. Now, for some people in this room, this, you're going to hear this one and it's going to hit you and it's going to keep going. But for some of you, when guilt reigns heavy, for some of you, when, when you can't not be critical of yourself, when you can't let something about you go, you'll hear this, I pray, and it really will set in. Here's a couple of verses, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Many times we, I think we read that and we think, okay, um, he'll, he'll guard my heart from things that are coming at me, or he'll guard my heart when I deal with other people. No, he will guard your heart when it comes to just dealing with yourself. With yourself. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because, here's the reason, here's the reason why you get to, here's the reason why you can, because he cares about you. It becomes difficult to berate yourself when you realize that a perfect God cares about you. All right, so I don't mind confessing junk about my own life. Sometimes I just have to have to pull my family in, into the story just to make, make it, me be able to tell something, okay? So yesterday, um, I misplaced something yesterday, um, and, and it frustrated me so bad. I couldn't find it, couldn't find it, couldn't find it. And I just, I had a bad attitude. If you've ever been around me when I have a bad attitude, you go, man, that is what he is most talented at. 
It's that bad attitude. I can have one that will ruin the whole party. Wendy and I were out doing some things, and, and I, just, man, I, just, I just had a bad attitude. I got home, and I found what I was looking for in a hoodie pocket that Wendy wore the day before. And that brought tears to my wife's eyes because of what I said about me. She saw it turn around and felt like it was then on her. It wasn't on her. I never would have spoke to her that way. But the sin was is that I spoke to someone, another one of God's kids that way. That kid just happened to be me. And that's a very simple, simple explanation of moments where God in a, in a day and a place speaks. I, 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 that was a slap in the face. And, and I realized that, that, if, that if I had put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then, then I must walk in peace with me too. And my initial instinct was, you probably guess it, feel guilty. But I set that aside to feel joy. Because I said, God, thank you. Thank you for showing me that. I needed to see that. What Jesus has done to the glory of God is also that you could have peace with you. The, final, the, the last one is peace with others. This is one of the most hilarious verses to me in the Bible. You ready for this one? Peace with others. Uh, Romans 12, 18. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Sometimes you ever look at somebody and go, not possible, right? Again, blink if, that's, if they're close. You ever had that moment? Or you just look at me like, no, sorry. Thank you, Lord, for that. You gave me a back door, Jesus. Thank you. I'm out. I'm good. It's not possible. But, but notice, it, it, it says, with you. So it, it, it's a pause. Because I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to tell you that there won't be people in your life that, that it will be virtually impossible to find peace with. I'm not going to deny that truth. But I believe the, the Word of God cautions us to say, okay, Let's look inside before we just, we, we just sign on the dotted line or we just draw a circle around them and put an X over it and say, can't do anything about that. Just, just pause there. And that pause brings us to the Word of God. Um, Ephesians 4, 31, 32. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you along with all malice and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. That, that's, the, that's the real, right? Yeah, I, I don't fish a lot, but I know you got to set the hook. you got to pull the rod back to set the hook Be, because sometimes I look at somebody and go, <laughs> not possible. Thanks, Jesus. I'm out. And, and, I, I, and I'm gone. And, and, and he sets the hook and he, and he brings me back in some because he goes, but just make sure that you haven't, you, you haven't forgotten the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus before you walk away from them. So what Jesus does, what, what, what God sh- started showing us in a real tangible way, humanity on earth at Christmas time, is that this peace that is for you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you, can be, you, you are in Christ at peace with God. You can work on things together and still be at peace. You can be at peace with yourself. And you can be at peace with others. Seems to get more complicated as it goes, doesn't it, in some ways? But that's why his presence is always with us. The last thing I want you to look at is this. Um, 
A rejoicing mindset claims its rights. A rejoicing mindset claims its rights. You ready for this one? Remember, shepherds, um, outcasts, don't belong, not welcome, not invited. What do they do? Verse 15, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord had made known to us. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about the, angel, about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. And they, they got up and they said, you know what, we may not be welcome, we may not be invited, but we are going. And there's this thing that when, when you start really walking in, this peace you have with God, this peace that you can have with yourself, the peace that you can have with others, when you know the truth that God is doing active things in your life and he's sending you on mission to go places and to be with people and to let that light be shine, all of a sudden you get a little sassy Christian inside of you and you just get up and go, I'm going when you may not have ever been invited before in your life. That's what rejoicing will do. It'll let you overlook barriers that may actually, in some people's minds, be there. But it allows you just to step over and keep going in the love of Jesus. You won't, you won't hurt people. You won't push them over. You won't run them over. You'll treat them with love, but you'll step over more things than you've ever stepped over in your life if you're really ready to rejoice you will because people may not understand it but they'll want to be around it last thing I want to say is this um, if, if you're doubting if you're doubting um, that that God can do these kind of things in your life if you maybe kind of see your life as maybe passed over or you look back and think you know well God's you know I feel like he's spoken to me before and and I tried some stuff I did some stuff and I just you know I didn't really stick to it kind of faded, kind of went away. Do you, do you get the background of Bethlehem? Way back after God had promised that he was going to have a people, he talked to Abraham, who never was going to have kids, except for the fact that God did something in his life, and his wife's life, and allowed them to have one child. Now, his promise was big, but they only saw it in one child. And that child had two sons. It's only one to two, and they're supposed to be as many as, as, as grains of sand are on the beach. God made these promises, and he called them his own, and, and he spoke to them and brought them to him. And, and that's, that grandson of Abraham, Jacob, he had a wife named Rachel, and and they had 12 sons. And these 12 sons were the beginning of the 12 tribes of Israel. These, these people groups that God would continually work through. That the symbolism of them are seen all the way through Revelation. That last son, that number 12, Benjamin, born in Bethlehem. Passing through, could have been born anywhere on this planet. Was born there. You ever heard the story of Boaz, Naomi, 
Boaz is this incredible image of a redeemer. Someone that loved when he didn't have to. Someone that, that came for someone when he could have just let someone else do it and just let, them, let the world have them. He went to Naomi and he redeemed her and married her and, and brought her into himself. And they had a baby. You know where they lived? Bethlehem. And, and when people were searching for, for what they thought looked like what they wanted, and, and God's people wanted a king, and he gave them Saul. We talked about this a little bit last week out of 1 Samuel. He, he gave them Saul, and he appointed Saul for a reason, because he wanted to show them that, that everything you look for is not always the best thing. The next king he anointed was David. He didn't look the part, but, but, but he is this really kind of central godly king that people reference. Even though he made mistakes, he, he sinned in his life. It, it was from his family line that started way back with Abraham. It was going to come Messiah. Jesus came from that line. You, you know where David was born? Bethlehem. And then God shows up again. Bethlehem. So... If maybe what's making you weary right now is just you think you've had your chances. If God is speaking to you at all, he's being consistent with who he's always been. Because he comes to us and he brings a message of truth. Sometimes we don't always jump on board with that. But in his love, he comes back again and calls us. Never really far away. And shows us, I'm still working. I'm still working. So don't think this Christmas that you've burned your chances or life just is what it is or anything like that. You hear God speak. It's just that Bethlehem kind of moment. God's doing something new. His, all those stories, everything in Bethlehem was about hope and redemption, God's love, His presence, all, all that stuff. He, he's just going to keep bringing that to you. He's not done. He's not done. Rejoice. He's not done. If you will, if you'll bow your heads just for a minute, our praise team is going to be coming back up. and um, We'll have an opportunity to, to worship together. I'm going to make one announcement after this. If you're watching online, please hang on for one, one more announcement. Um, in, in the goal of rejoicing, and kind of setting that as, as what we want to choose to be in front of us, there will be things in life that will offer some weariness. You'll have some kind of self-aware wake-up moments. All these things are working to the glory of God that we would, we would see Him, but then He would be able to bring peace into our lives. So what I really pray that you hear this morning is that if you can take one breath in right now and you can sense that God is real and he's speaking to you in some way. Then you have an opportunity to see him and know him and give him glory. But you also are here on this planet to receive his peace and live in it. And his peace is rich and it is worth rejoicing over. And my prayer for you is, is that this holiday season, you're able to do that, just that. To choose to rejoice. As you gather with family, as you may be sitting somewhere more alone or a little bit more secluded, choose to rejoice, choose to find that hope. Because it'll pass all understanding. It won't be what the media convinces you of. It won't be what everybody's opinion is. 
it'll be something a little bit unique, a little bit different because of what God does. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, as I I said in this message, that that kind of peace is specifically for those who belong to Him, I want to tell you how you can know Jesus. The Bible says, and we're in agreement with it, our hearts can be in agreement with this, that we all make mistakes, we all sin. We call it sin because we're looking to a perfect and holy God as a standard. So anything less than that falls short. The Bible says that we do fall short, but because of God's great love for us, while we have fallen short in our lives, Jesus came to this world to show us how it was done, to live a life free of sin, so that at the end, he could, he could die. And it was a representative payment for everything that we have done wrong. And it doesn't seem fair that all of our wrong would, would be able to be paid for by one act. But it was representative, but it was acceptable, and God took it as full and complete. And just like you do with things you purchase, he, he, he took that payment and he applied it to your account and mine. And then he tells us that if we just believe that he acted towards us that way in love, that his his son Jesus was sent to, to, to represent us that way, that he died, that he came back to life, that if we believe in Jesus, everything about him, even the things that we can't figure out how to understand or wrap our brains around, but if our heart calls us into belief, that we come to God in prayer and ask for salvation, that he will give it to us. And, and, and I want to tell you that right now, you could pray to God and just say, God, I, I, I know that I have messed up in my life, but God, I come to you because I, 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 want, I want to know you and I, and I need you and I believe in Jesus. And, and, and God, I trust you that your word is true. If you're true, God, that you, you will save me because I believe in him and it's not what I can do, but it's what he did. You can pray a prayer similar to that, and God will begin in you a new work. Just like Jesus came back to life, he puts his spirit in us so that we can now start to live a new life. If today you have chosen to pray that prayer because your heart believes it and you're ready to commit to the Lord, then I really would love to talk to you after the service. Dale is going to be singing in a few minutes. He always stays right on stage after the service. You can come up and you can just catch his attention. And he'll be glad to talk to you for a few minutes. Our youth pastor, Ethan, will be over out in our our main lobby over here to my left. You can catch up with him. There's there's other just church family members that will be walking around. Stop anybody and say, you know, I prayed that prayer today. And allow them to give you encouragement. Allow them to kind of scoot you to where we are. So we can begin to talk about what a life in Jesus really can look like together. God, thank you so much for your love and your grace. Lord, as we look to you with hope, God, we, we pray right now, Lord, I pray for rejoicing over our church family. I pray for those here. I pray for those at home. God, that we will just realize how great and mighty and awesome and holy and perfect you are. And Lord, we can see the patterns of your work in this world, and we can be so aware of what Jesus has done for us, but what Jesus continues to do, because God, if he's the same yesterday and today and forevermore, as active as he was at creation, as active as he was on this planet, as active as he is now, God, he has to continue to be active. So Lord, thank you 
for that. Thank you, God, that the, the gospel message is for everyone, but for those that believe and confess and for those that you call, God, for, for, for those people that this peace is real and it's attainable and it's receivable, God, from you. And, Lord, help us this Christmas. When we see, when we think about an ordinary sight of a baby, Lord, help us to see an ordinary sight and find the gospel message. And, God, help that also be the pattern of our regular life that, this afternoon and tomorrow morning and tomorrow afternoon and for the rest of this week, we'll see in ordinary sights a gospel message and a gospel truth so that, Lord, we can, we can give you credit, we can glorify you because, God, ultimately, as we give attention to you, Lord, part of that process is our hearts being so open to you that they're so open they can receive the peace that you are bringing down to us. Lord, I pray that our worship, our song, will find its way to your heart pleasing. And Lord, I pray a Merry Christmas, a blessed season over this most incredible church family. Lord, it's all these things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.